Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Thank you for your presence with us. We know that you, you promise that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And Lord, we thank you for your presence of the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher. And Lord, we look to you to give me utterance, to give us ears to hear, and help us to understand what you would say to us out of the scriptures tonight. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for looking out for us for guarding our minds from error and keeping us focused on the path. Thank you for doing these things for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pull forward here. There's a little air conditioner blowing right there, which kind of feels good, but might not feel good after a while. Um, for, for most of this year, in my personal time of study, um, I've been, God's been just kind of showing me some very practical things about ministering the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's been really good. It kind of like the practical side. And uh, I, I'm hoping that uh, eventually I'll get to share more and more of those things. Honestly, they do kind of leak out sometimes when I get to share other things. We kind of always end up getting somewhere because, you know, what's on your heart kind of ends up coming bubbling out of your mouth anyway. So, But uh, I, I want to be able to share some of those, hopefully, uh, if the Lord will allow. But tonight, I, I have something prepared that I feel like is kind of a prerequisite that I just need to speak it out there before I can go on and say some of the other things. Um, kind of like, a, you know, if you're going to take an advanced writing class, they want to know that you're proficient in the language you're writing in, you know, in English or something. And for me, uh, what I want to share tonight is absolutely foundational in, in how I've approached the Word and, and how God has shown me. And so I just want to take some time to, uh, to develop this. And what I want to talk about is the relationship of the Word of God with signs and wonders and miracles, okay? Because I really believe, um, I've heard different people talk about, you know, just kind of seeing anticipation or even having dreams about uh, uh, this church really just becoming a powerhouse of the power of God with signs and wonders. And so I believe we're going there, but we want to go there in a way that God has laid out for us. And uh, that's what I just wanted to uh, kind of share some of the things that have been on my heart tonight about that. Now, the first verse is a, I don't think I wrote it on my notes, but Jared probably has it, is Mark 12, 24. And uh, Jesus is speaking to the Sadducees, and I remember Michael actually taught on this because we were, we're done with Mark, right? But I'll tell you some of the things James said last Wednesday on Mark. I actually want to pick up right there. We're not going to go back through Mark, I promise. But there's some good things in Mark that I would like to just kind of honestly just kind of jump on where he was and just kind of keep on going. Um, Jesus said to them, now he's arguing with the Sadducees, if you remember, that's the one Michael taught, taught on, uh, and they were, had a question about marriage and the resurrection, and Jesus said to them, is this not the reason that you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. See, we need the scriptures, and we need the power of God. They are related to each other. We can't have just the scriptures and no power. 
What kind of gospel is that? But we just can't have power without being established in the scriptures because the scriptures are, the, the gospel is the power of God. And so just kind of going back real quick to where, where James was, he left us in uh, the very end of Mark, Mark 16, verses 19 through 20. And he said, uh, the, the scripture says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And if you remember last week he preached, he said, we need to proclaim Jesus. He said, a lot of times people are not seeing the signs that they would like to see because they're not proclaiming Jesus. And if we are to proclaim Jesus, the signs follow. And I think it's also interesting that the signs confirm the message, not the messenger. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Um, there's a missionary named T.L. Osborne, and I've, I've not sourced this. I've only heard this story, but it's such a good story, I want to share it. He was in a conference, and everybody was praying to God, God, send the power, send down the power. Lord, we need the power. And uh, supposedly, T.L. turned to the person next to them and said, the, the gospel is the power. These people are praying and begging God for the power, but what they need is more gospel. If we can share the gospel clearer, more accurately, and true to what it is, the power will be there because the gospel is the power. When God wants power, what does he do? He sends a word. He sent his word and it healed them. That's how God's power is delivered. That's what he does. How did he create the world? He spoke a word. He spoke a word. So many things he spoke about. We just came through the resurrection. I think we've been in the resurrection since Easter because we kicked it off at Easter. And then it was in Mark forever. Uh, and, but, I mean, all those prophecies, those words that God said, he spoke a thing, he spoke a thing, and then brought it to pass. God releases his power by his words. And the signs confirm the message, not necessarily the messenger. If a person has developed their, their faith in, a, in an area and can produce signs in an area that does not necessarily mean that the totality of their life. You, you, you may be able to go to somebody and they can get you healed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to look at them for you know, advice in raising children or something like that. It does not mean, it's not a confirmation of the messenger, it's a confirmation of the message. So that's important to keep. Um, the other thing that's interesting is this, is uh, uh, l let's put up, a, let's go back just a couple of verses to Mark 16, uh, verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> and it says, whoever believes and is baptized, again, this is just kind of covering where we were last week, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast the demons. So it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Okay, These signs, I think the other translations, like the King James says, these signs follow those who believe. I think a lot of believers are following signs, and it's supposed to be the other way around. Signs are supposed to be following the believers. As believers, we're supposed to be led by the Word and the Spirit, not necessarily the signs. Um, do, you, do you remember the faith that caused Jesus to marvel? Um, the centurion came to him, and he had a servant who was sick. And, and uh, he, 
Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And he said, what? No, Lord, don't come under my house. I'm to my house. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but speak the word only. And Jesus, it says it marveled. How would you like to have faith that makes Jesus stop and say, whoa, I have not seen faith like this. He said, what? But speak the word only and my servant will be healed. The, the highest faith there was to take Jesus at his word. The man didn't need a sign. He didn't need it. He needed the word. And he believed the word, and the servant was healed. Do you remember what Jesus said to Thomas? Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Right? We're blessed when we take Jesus at his word. Now, I just want to clarify here, though. I'm not talking about a powerless gospel where we just, you know, say, I have the word, and it's true. I'm positionally righteous, and, and, and there's no life there's no power no that's not the case but but to be rooted in the word and to be established in the word allows us to negotiate this world of signs and wonders and keep ourselves on track signs are given to confirm the word they're given to capture people's attention but actually it takes the preaching of the word to bring somebody to salvation in acts chapter 3 and 4 there was a, a, when Peter healed the, the beggar at the gate, and uh, the man was excited. He was walking. He was jumping. He was 40 years old. He'd never walked. He was praising God. He ran into the place where the church was meeting, and everybody looked, and the, the, it says, the Bible says they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened because the man was 40 years old. But nobody was saved until Peter stood up and preached the word, and then 5,000 were added to their number that day. So it takes the Word of God to go into a heart and cause a new birth. It's the Word of God that is the foundation for everything we do as Christians. Um, I don't know if you guys know the, ever seen the uh, Sid Roth, It's Supernatural. Anybody watch that besides me? Yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's fun. And I mean, they have everything, everything on here. I mean, people who have dreams, people who play instruments and claim that people get healed. I mean, all kinds of, it runs the whole spectrum, you know. And I'm not saying I, I would, you know, just run headlong into all that he has on there. But so many people claim to have like visitations of angels or Jesus appeared to them. But the ones to me that are the most powerful are the ones who then can stand there and say, this is what the Lord showed me. And they open up the Bible and they go and they say, boom, 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 because the God put plants the word. He establishes them in the word, not just an experience. Because an experience is good, but eventually experiences will fade Word of God doesn't fade, right? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So what would be the danger of following signs and wonders? I mean, because there's power, you see it. Should we run to this because there's, should we run? The thing is this, if we go to a Matthew uh, 24, 24, Jesus actually warned us of false Christs and false prophets. Matthew 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, the elect. If you're a Christian, that's you. You're the elect. And, and his intention is, their intention is to lead away Christians. Paul warned in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the coming of the lawless one, that's another name for the Antichrist, is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So it would be very dangerous to just follow signs and wonders without discerning them by the word. What would be a false sign? 
one one night uh, after uh, church, it was kind of getting late, and uh, we were kind of hungry, so we were going to Taco Bell. We drove down Merchants Road, and there was a sign that said, Open. And when we got there, got the kids out, got everything, go up to the door, grab the door. It was not open. drive through was open. I was like, that's a false sign right there. It promised something, and it couldn't deliver. I couldn't get my tacos. I'm not going to eat tacos in the car with a two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> A false sign. Or or if you're driving down the expressway and it says, you know, Nashville left lane and Nashville is really in the right lane, a false sign will lead you and take you somewhere you don't want to go. That's the danger of following signs. So signs confirm the message. Signs follow the believers as believers follow the word and the spirit. Signs capture people's attention and they basically they buy an opportunity to preach the word. Signs are to be judged and understood by the word. And uh, just, I, I think this is important just to, to know too. I, I, this is just my thoughts. I don't think that all miracles are necessarily signs either. I think sometimes miracles are just God putting things right. If you're sick in your body, Jesus in the atonement paid for your health. And for him to do a miracle there is not necessarily a sign. It could be a sign if it's done publicly and, and causes people to believe, but sometimes he's just making right the things that are wrong from the fall, and he's very willing to do that. Um, believers actually shouldn't really need signs. Technically, we shouldn't need healing either, but they're available for us. Um, we should be the ones who are performing the signs. We should be the ones who are healed, laying hands on the sick. Um, but if we need a healing, if we need a financial miracle, if we need these things, God's provided for those things as well. It's just that they're wrapped up in the atonement. And it's really, if we can stand in our place before him, we will be the ones who are ministering those to a hurt and dying world and bringing in people into the kingdom. So what we need, though, as we navigate this, um, this world is we need a fixed point of reference. Have you ever, um, like, maybe you, you wake up in a, in a very dark room, you know, maybe it's even your room, and you know, or you're in a motel or something, and you can't see anything, and you want to find the light, and you can't find the light switch, and you're stumbling in the dark, but eventually you find a wall, right? And so you work your way down the wall, and you can find, there's a door, well, there's always a light switch next to a door, so the light switch should be right about here, and you can work your way and you can find it because that wall doesn't move, right? Once you find the wall, you can find the light switch, you can find the door. Um, if somebody asks you directions, you know, say to Walmart or something, you don't say, well, you go down the road and you're going to see a chicken standing in the front yard, and you, you turn left when you see the chicken, you keep going, there'll be a man jogging on the side of the road, you turn right there, because all the, those things can move, they're not fixed, they're not established. I was preaching this to Rin Kim last night, and she told me a story um, about some friends that she knows, you do know them, right? They're your friends, okay? And, and they went to the big city. And they didn't know, they weren't sure that they would know how they were going to get back to where they were staying. So they found a tree that was near them with a Jeep parked under it. And they're like, when we come back, we're going to look for the tree with the Jeep parked under it. <laughs> Can you think of what might be the problem with that? <laughs> when they came back, the Jeep wasn't there. Things that change are not good um, <laughs> points of reference. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I learned how to fly airplanes and... Uh, 
Joshua could tell you all about this if he were here. But uh, they they have um, radio beacons all over, you know, around airports. Sometimes they're out in the middle of a cornfield, just whatever. And you can dial in on your instruments and it will tell you where you are at in relationship to that radio beacon. And it's very useful for finding airports when you're flying in clouds and you can't see out the window. And uh, you, you can even do instrument landings. You know, the big airplanes, will they'll fly and land by instruments because they know where they're at with reference to those radios. Now, it's not the runway itself, but it, you can find the runway with respect to that radio beacon. But it's real important that they actually put those things on the ground somewhere. Because if they put it on a flatbed truck and just drove around Knoxville, it would not be an established point of reference. And I want to say this, God's word is our fixed point of reference. Psalm 119:89 says, "Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens." In the uh, New American Standard and King James Version, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God's word is not going to change. In fact, God's word, if you think about it, you know, I think in our, in our thinking, in our culture, the heavens are up there and they're wispy. And down here is things that are solid. But it's not the case. Heaven is actually the parent. Heaven was first, the Word of God was first, and then came this material creation. So as far as something foundational, the heavens where the Word of God is firmly fixed and established is the thing that's immovable. This world will pass away. The Bible says in Hebrews it's being rolled up, it'll be rolled up like a garment and remade. But the heaven, well, the Word of God, actually there'll be a new heavens too, but the Word of God will not change. And so the Word of God is our fixed point of reference. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, make sure I gave you the right verse because I think I wrote something else down. 2 Corinthians, if there is a 2 Corinthians 4.18, I have a typo in my notes. Do you have that one or no? Is there a 2 Corinthians 4.18? <laughs> okay, there it is. Yes, that's it. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. The New American Standard says things that are seen are temporal, but things that are unseen are eternal. Transient means only lasting a short time, impermanent. So basically, if you can see it with your eyes, it's temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. How do we know about the things that are unseen? How do we know about salvation? In heaven, the Holy Spirit, angels. How do we know about our own human spirit? We don't know that through our senses. We don't know that through our eyes. I'm not saying that nobody's ever seen a vision, but, but um, what, even if somebody has a vision of angels, how do we really know what angels are and learn about them? It's through the Word. It's through the Word that He's given us. One of the dangers, I think, is to navigate this life, this natural life, by our physical senses or by our, emo our emotions or even by our experiences. But uh, as good as servants as our physical senses are, they can be lying to you. Another airplane example. 
I have the lowest rating there is, just a private pilot, and I've not flown for years. But in order to get my license, we had to demonstrate that if we ever accidentally flew into a cloud where we couldn't see the ground, we could use nothing but the instruments and turn the airplane around 180 degrees. So you're flying happily along, and your instructor all of a sudden puts a, a hood, they call it a hood, over your on your head, and it blocks your vision, and all you can see is your instrument panel. He says, okay, you just flew into a cloud. Now, turn around 180 degrees and get out of it. And you have to demonstrate that you can do that without losing control. And once you get that hood on and you lose your horizon, you, your inner ear, you know, and all that, you kind of feel like you're flying like this, you know. And if you start correcting that, you're going to end up just going more and more into a spiral. And that's the thing that happens. That's why you have to demonstrate that you can look at the instruments and believe what they're telling you. Because the things you're feeling with your senses could be lying to you. They're not necessarily the truth. But what those instruments are telling you is, are the truth. It's the truth. And when we navigate this life, the things that we can see, the temporary things, might be lying to you. But God's Word is the truth. And we need to build our lives on God's Word. Our senses can report on physical things, but they really can't contact God. We know God through our spirit, not through our senses. Even our emotions are not sufficient to lead us. Emotions are not spiritual. Emotions are of the soul. And a lot of people following emotions have made wrong decisions. And the best way I've heard it explained was our emotions were never given to us to lead us, but so that we could enjoy right decisions. When you make the right decision, your emotions will catch up and you'll enjoy the right decision that you made. So because of this, our experiences really mean very little unless they are somehow understood by the Word of God. And when we can understand what's going on with relationship to the Word, then we can understand and say, oh, that's what was going on there. Well, I'm going to do this instead, or I'm going to change. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of the God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, for the piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. See, it knows the difference between a spiritual leading and an emotion. The Word of God will show that to you. And of joints and marrow, and listen, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So many people are even self-deceived. But if we will expose ourselves to the Word, the Word will keep us. The Word will reveal to us what our thoughts and intents are and whether or not they're aligned with God's Word. Everything is to be evaluated by the Word. Now, I want to just go through the book of Luke Aren't you glad we're not in Mark, right? <laughs> I'm not going to go through the whole book of Luke. I've got three examples from the book of Luke. And, and uh, Jared, I didn't give you these because they're actually quite long stories. If you've got a Bible and would like to follow along, turn to Luke 16. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. and if you don't, I'll, I will just kind of read and give you enough background of the story to make my point. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. This is the story that, uh, of the rich man and Lazarus. Jesus was telling it. He said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who des desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. I love these stories where you got this such a contrast, the rich, rich, and the poor, poor, who's just desiring crumbs. 
Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. It just doesn't get any worse than that, does it? I mean, these are dogs licking his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. It's funny because people, I don't think death even changes people. (laughs) This guy is still just pushy. Father Abraham, tell Lazarus to come and help me. It's like death didn't even change him. But Abraham said, child, Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What did he just say? He said, they have the word of God. They have the scriptures. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. He said to them, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Jesus is putting the word of God above a supernatural experience of somebody coming back from the dead. That's, that's where Jesus places the word. The word is more solid than a vision of a loved one coming back from the dead or a loved one's servant. I'm sorry? They wouldn't believe his resurrection either. That's right, yeah, yeah, they wouldn't believe. But, but uh, you yeah, know, you'll like the next one. It's good. <laughs> But uh, see, God has established, ordained that people are saved by the preaching of the word. How can they believe unless somebody preaches? How can they preach unless somebody sends them, right? Um, the preaching of the word goes into a heart and produces new life. It's the word. It's the word received. Uh, Peter says, humbly receive the word implanted that is able to save your souls. The word of God is what causes a miracle of new birth. The word of God is what causes all the miracles ultimately. Experiences can encourage us and make no mistake about it. We will have experiences. Absolutely. I'm not saying we're not going to, but our experiences will be firmly rooted in the truth of the gospel. The next one, if you flip over to Luke 24. Look, we're going from Luke 16 to 24. In a single flip right there. <laughs> We're not going to be here for a year and a half. Okay. Luke 24, and uh, I'm going to start at verse 13. This used to be one of my favorite passages. This is after the resurrection, Carrie, and uh, the, they're on their road to Emmaus, two disciples. Not, not any of the 12, but they were on their way. It says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Now, that's the death, the resurrection, the women seeing at the tomb saying that they saw angels. All of these things were going on. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus himself appears and he's walking with them on the road, but on purpose, Jesus keeps them from recognizing him. Why? Let's go on. I'll come back to it. He said to them, 
what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And, he, and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's saying, you guys should believe, not just because of the women's testimony, because you need to believe what the prophets have said. You need to believe the scriptures. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He actually prevented them from seeing his manifested, resurrected body so that he could direct them to the scriptures. Why? Because if they ran back and said, we saw Jesus, he was walking on the road with us. He said, look at my hands, look at my feet. We touched his side. They'd run back and they would be about as believed as the women were. They'd be like, whoa, interesting. And you know what? The next morning when they woke up, they'd be like, was that a dream? <laughs> What was, did I really see him? But no, he gave them something solid to build their lives on. He went through Moses, the prophets, all the scriptures. Wouldn't you have loved to have been on that road when, they, when Jesus was going through the scriptures teaching about himself? I think that would have been awesome to have been there. So they drew near the village where they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. Stay with us. Uh, they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Basically, he was at the table with them. Then he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave them to eat. And verse 31, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And listen to what they said. Didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? The scriptures has the power to convince you of the resurrection. They were convinced. They were, their hearts were burning. They were hearing what he was saying. And then, then he revealed himself. But their faith was rooted not on an experience, but on the word of God. And that's what we're going to do. When we have supernatural things happen, when we have signs and wonders and miracles, we will be rooted in the word of God. Okay, last one in Luke. It's, it's just a continuation. Drop down to verse uh, 36. <clears throat> Basically, these guys run all the way back to Jerusalem, seven miles, and uh, they go into the room where all the disciples were together, and uh, they, were t they were talking about these things. And Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. They think they were seeing a ghost. 
And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Look, can, can seeing a vision make the doubt go out of your heart? No, the word of God. Faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the word of God that causes doubt to go out of your heart, not an experience. He says, how, why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet? It's I myself. Touch me and see. For the spirit doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still, they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? And see, he's trying to show him. He's trying to convince them. And, and uh, they're still, they're, they're happy, but they're disbelieving. He took food and he uh, ate it before them. And he said, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed by God breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. The word of God, and when I say the word of God, I mean properly understood, taught by the spirit of God, not just an intellectual thing. Taught by the spirit of God, accurately understood, will be such a solid foundation for us as we launch out and we go after some of the things that God has for us. Because all of the promises in Christ are yes and amen. If there's a promise of God and there's something that comes between you and the the answer to that, that promise, that's a devil. We need to blast through that thing and take the promise. And God has promised us that, that we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He has promised us these things. He'll, I talk about healing a lot. That's the one I've been really honestly just studying and praying about. But really any ministering of the supernatural, you are made an effective minister of this new covenant, the covenant of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's his desire, not to be, uh, not to be um, ministers of a letter, of a legalism, of a law, but of the spirit. But Jesus said what? My words are spirit. And they are life. And so we want to be rooted in not a dead word, but the living word, the living word of God that is alive and active because God has sent it out of his mouth and it will not return without accomplish. Just like the rain comes down and, and it waters the earth and causes things to bud and come alive before it returns back to the heavens, of course, by evaporation. We know that now. Um, God puts the word out of his mouth, and it will prosper in the thing that where he sent it. If he speaks a word to us, which all of this is to us. You know, the Bible, all, let me say it like this. All of the Bible I've heard it described like this is for the church. But not all of the Bible is to the church, and not all the Bible is about the church, okay? The Old Testament was a covenant with Israel, okay? But 
it testified to what Jesus would do. And so we're expected to believe the scriptures, but we weren't ever put under the Mosaic law like the Jews were. So I'm just trying to say that to, so that the Bible has to be accurately discerned according to how it interprets itself. Okay, But it's a living word, and it's alive, and it's active and powerful, and it will produce in the thing where God has sent it. And uh, that's, that's why I feel... I feel that it's just so foundational because as we go out and, and, and we see different kinds of things, there are a lot of opportunities for, for manifestations, for things that we don't always understand. And you know what? A lot of times, you know, we're all spirits. We, all, we, are, we have a lot of spirits in this room right now. We have the Holy Spirit. We have angels. We have our human spirits. We have... Um, you know, there are possibly, I, I would like to think there are not, but there are possibly demon spirits who are interested in what's going on, would like to thwart the word of God. There's a lot of things going on. And when we start operating in the supernatural, sometimes there's resistance. Sometimes there's reaction in the flesh. There's different things. And how do we discern that? Do we just forbid everything? No, we can't do that. We need to minister by the spirit, but we need to discern everything by the word. And some things is just, just to our own benefit to ignore and uh, stay with the word and keep pressing forward and don't get sidetracked. And so I just felt like it was important to establish this um, because as we go on, I'll just tell you, there's, there's, there's so, so many cool things um, that I think sometimes we've had almost a, uh, you know, I guess for me, a, a misunderstanding maybe of what, what, how to operate in some of these things. And that's what the Lord's been showing me. It's been really, really pretty exciting. Um, do you remember when the 70 were sent out and Jesus told them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons? And then they came back to him with joy and they were excited. This is in Luke um, ten nineteen, I think, somewhere around there. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they were excited. They were actually surprised. Okay, Think about that. They did not have what you think you need to have to cast out a demon. Because they were surprised. I mean, I thought, you know, you had to be built up in faith and just ready. And then when you encountered it, boom. They saw Jesus do this. He told them to go do it. When they were obeying him, they came up against a demon and they tried it. <laughs> they said, probably they did just exactly what Jesus said. Come out in Jesus' name. And it listened, and they were surprised. They didn't have this great faith that we think we need to have. Sometimes that great faith that we try to attain to is a building up ourselves, but a real faith is a settling down. You have this authority. You have the name of Jesus. You have the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that works in you. It's the name of Jesus and faith in the name of Jesus. It's not always a strong... It's a settling down and saying, no, you're going to come out in Jesus' name and you're going to be healed in Jesus' name because Jesus said so. It's a settling down sometimes. And I mean, there's, all, there's excitement and there is stirring ourselves up in worship and it's all good. It's, it's good. But sometimes we can get so stirred up in the natural, we don't know how built up we are in the spirit. And then it's the spirit that does the work. 
And so we want to, you know, and if we need to do that to, you know, if we need to sing 14 songs to, to feel like we've contacted heaven and get to God, that's fine. God will do that. But if we will learn what the word says and learn how to walk in that, we can be, at, I, I believe, we can be at a point where we can just minister to that wherever it's needed. Like, because, you know why? Because Jesus did. Jesus did. You know, picture him, close your eyes and picture Jesus walking down one of these dusty villages. You know, there's, there's uh, chickens running and goats and kids running and all these people following him and, and, and it's dusty and it's dirty and some demon-possessed person comes up and falls at his feet and says, Lord, help me. I mean, do you hear the, the choir singing in the background? There's Hillsong there. You know, or, or whoever, whoever they are now. Hillsong is who I used to listen to a lot. I don't know all the new names. But, you know, he, he could do it because he could meet the need where the need was. And that's what he did. He came into our mess and met the need right where the need was. And I believe that God would like to raise up a people who will be like him and be able to do that. And we're not going to always have, you know. Uh, I got to pray for somebody uh, uh, just in a grocery store. You know, James talks about doing that all the time. And I, I, it's like I was challenged because I'm like, I believe this. I saw her and I was like, God, I think I need to pray for her. But then I checked out and I left and I was like, it's just, I'm standing there by my van, and it's like, if you don't go pray now, when are you going to start doing this? So I was like, okay. So I walked back into Ingalls, and uh, this woman was just walking with a limp, and uh, you could tell she didn't really want the limp, and and uh, I just offered to pray for her, and she's like, okay. And uh, I'd like to tell you I saw an instant thing. I really believe she was healed because she started crying. I mean, I, I believe that. She was touched by God, and I didn't see it instantly. I only had a couple of minutes there, but but I do believe that God touched her, and you know at least accelerated the healing or something. But I mean, I think that's what He wants us to do. I think we can do that. I think we can take this. You know, it's not just taking smiles and handshakes and whatever. It's taking the very power of God out to where the people live. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, he doesn't live in temples made with hands. He lives in you. A temple is a is a is a holy place where there's the the place the where where there's the earthly place where the priests are and the heavenly place where where God you know a or a God if it's just a pagan temple where a, you know supposedly intermingle. Well, God's temple was a holy place where heaven, the presence of God dwelled among the people. Okay. Well, you are the temple of God. When people come in contact with you, they come in contact with God. If they can get to you, they can get healed. If they can get to you, they can get saved. Because you are Jesus' body in this world. And I, I just, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God's been showing me. And uh, if He'll let me in as things, uh, I've, as I have more opportunities, I'll, they'll always come out. But I'll be sharing next week on probably some of them. If you'll let me, I'll be haven't really prepared yet, but um, uh, I'm excited. So y'all be in prayer with with me for it, and uh, I'll do my best to present it good. And uh, if anybody needs any kind of prayer or anything, bring them. Let's pray and believe for some miracles too.